Hello everyone, I'm Annie Gibbons and you're listening to Memoirs of Successful Women, the podcast where you get to hear candid conversations with fascinating women from around the globe who share aspects of their business and life journey, how they measure their success and what they have learnt along the way. Today, I'd love to introduce you to Terry Christine, who is an internationally recognized intuitive energy healer, TV personality, radio and podcast expert, and author of The Secret Power of You, a guide to mastering your inner greatness, which is also endorsed by Don Miguel Ruiz, author of the New York Times bestseller, The Four Agreements. For over a decade as a practicing intuitive energy healer, Terry has helped thousands of people access clarity, results, understanding, and a sense of peace and freedom. So welcome to the program, Terry. Thank you, Annie. I'm so honored and grateful to be here. (laughs) It's a pleasure. I'm really looking forward to chatting with you today because I must admit I've never uh, spoken to an intuitive energy healer. And you've been doing this for a very, very long time. And so I'd love you to share with me and obviously our listeners, uh, what does it mean to be an intuitive energy healer? And then we'll unpack what led you uh, to that journey. Yeah, thank you so much. I I love that question because a lot of people don't know. So I'm not talk therapy. I use my own intuition, meaning my own guidance, my own superpowers. So I am clairvoyant, clairaudient, and clairsentient, which allows me to hear, feel, and see. So when I close my eyes, I can see a movie. I can hear full sentences or words, and I have this sense of knowing. Like when you're in a hot tub and you feel the warm water and you just can't put your finger in it. Yeah. You know, I, I have that guidance. I've been doing this for over 13 years. And so when I work with people, the majority of them are remote. So I have a strong following in Australia and in Canada, but I can connect to anyone no matter where they are in the world. I just need their first name. That's it. Wow. And then I begin to connect deeply into their energy state you know, that, that the body holds energy. And then I can determine the limiting beliefs and blocks in that subconscious. And then I bring it forward to help people see that their upbringing or a moment in time during their childhood, they chose to feel like they're not heard. And now they're taking on everybody as an adult, everybody else's jobs at work or to help them as a team player and they're exhausted and they don't understand why they just say this is me and they're Mm -hmm. doing all this extra work but internally the subconscious is saying no I have to work harder to be heard or seen. Wow so you're unlocking their fixed mindset that has anchored them in a certain place is that right? Well yeah if you want to call it the mindset but sometimes people cattot see that they're why let's use Mm -hmm. the word why they're attracting the same partner they're not saying to themselves i want the partner that's reserved they want someone more interactive but what they keep attracting is someone similar to their dad or their granddad or even their mother Mm -hmm. and they don't understand why they keep attracting that same person however all the patterns of their upbringing all they know and were shown was this this parent was dismissive or disconnected emotionally and so that's where their 
energy is that they attract that same thing. Similar to like when someone says they have this awesome dad and then they just attract the awesome partner. <laughs> yeah. So how, um, so let me ask you a personal question then. If someone um, inquired and they actually gave you a different name, would you know that immediately? You know, if I said my name wasn't Annie, it was Jenny. I no? love what you just said because <laughs> I, I do because no one's ever asked me and I love, I've done so many thousands of podcasts and when it comes with a new question and I got a flash when you said that, this actually happened. So I, ha and now let me tell you the story because this is how profound this was. This girl met this guy on, the girl I knew, so good friend of mine met this guy online he showed her a picture. He was interacting with her. It was months and months. He said he was going to arrive. Then he ghosted her. Then she was like, what did I do wrong? What's going on? Then she did a little more research and found out that he was not the person that was presenting the picture. Mm -hmm. Before she found out, because she knows my superpowers, she sent me a picture of this individual. And she said, tell me about this person. I said, he's going through some drama and trauma right now. He's going through a divorce, something about a son, blah, blah, blah. I went on and on and on. Then a month later, she comes back. She said, that wasn't, the picture that I showed you wasn't the guy that I was trying to locate. It was a fake guy. So use this other person's picture. I then she found out he had a fake profile using a fake picture. However, mm -hmm. She did more research and found the guy in the picture to tell him someone was using his, um, his credentials, his life, right? Mm -hmm. So they began to talk and communicate. Mm -hmm. Lo and behold, everything I told her about the guy in the picture was so accurate. He was going through a divorce, had a son, had lots of issues going on. So I was telling her in the picture, that person who she thought she was having a relationship, yes. was it the same person? So you see, I was connecting in the blueprint of the energy of the picture of the person. So yeah. yes, I understood you were saying, if you tell me my name is, to me, I don't go with names. I don't really care. That's just a label. I yeah. go within the energy. And that's why I got the flash of that picture and then my friend. And so there it was a deeper reality that yes i was connecting into the energy of the true person in that picture but it wasn't the person who she thought so yes i can do it but sure. the names aren't important <laughs> yeah i get it okay i can tell you though that. you're lying i can tell when a person's lying though so if they give me the wrong name it's just a feeling like there's an octave in the voice even though you're not projecting an octave Right. I can feel resistance. I tell people take breaths. I can tell what, where there's resistance in an in-breath or an exhale. Okay. Yeah. Where did this intuition come from, do you think? How did, have you always had it? Like if you think back to your childhood, do you actually mm -hmm. think you've always had this gift and skill or is it something that just suddenly came into being for you? So it supersized after I had a spiritual epiphany at the end of a 14-year relationship. But we all have this innate ability we just call it coincidence or we're living so far outside of ourselves. we wake up we go to work we do whatever we do we think everything around us is creating it but however yeah. we're creating it from the inside out and so when i go back i i actually was in a car accident i was hit by a car at the age of eight oh. i always thought i was in a coma and about a year ago i found out that i died oh. and i 
basically being triggered. I had set up a whole bunch of interviews. There were seven of them in a, in a 45 day um, platform. Well, a time frame, excuse me. But these platforms were very big. It was Hay House that I ended up being on and several other very big platforms. And each one started rescheduling. And to me, I see that as a block. Like yeah. what is happening, right? And it's a pattern. And then people would say, oh, there's, a, there's no coincidence. People are just, you know, they're canceling for a reason. But for me, because I'm so high vibration, I'm like, nope, there's something going on, something that's holding me into being where I want to be. And so I ended up seeing a sound healer and he actually went through and he was just helping me clear some of the limiting beliefs through tuning forks. And I actually went through the whole process of the car accident, dying, going to heaven, seeing God and Archangel Michael coming back into my body and my body actually feeling like it went through a car accident. I was in so much pain. It was crazy. Incredible. Incredible. <laughs> so with that, um, I, when I was a little young child and after the car accident, I never knew what NO meant. I yeah. could hear it from my parents, but I would always say, mm, I think I'm going to try to find out where I can find a yes. So I was a master manifester after the car accident. And it was so profound that people were giving me things or I could manifest things like magically as a kid. I wanted, you know, back then you're about my age, you know, those satin jackets. <laughs> yeah. 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 When we were in whatever school, I think it was either middle school or the beginning of high school, satin jacket, I wanted one and I manifested one, but it was becoming so profound that people were giving me things. And my mother made everybody stop and give it back because my <laughs> sister and brother wasn't getting it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm, I'm getting that. You're yeah, too <laughs> so, special. <laughs> I know, I know. And I just carried it to my adult state, but not knowing really truly that I was manifesting things. I just know that there were things that I want and I truly think it, feel it and take guided action on it. And all, and that is actually how you manifest. And I have been doing it since the car accident. And then now, and when I had my spiritual epiphany at the end of the 14-year relationship and then starting to supersize into things, then understanding truly what was going on in my childhood mm. and then helping others as I teach intuitive development. So when you're in the relationship, so you had this epiphany at the end of the relationship, do you mm -hmm. think you were, were you able to use your gift fully in that relationship or what was the epiphany when the relationship finished that you were then able to really move into a new zone? Yeah, that's a really good question. So many people, and, and I have to say, because 95% of my clients are women. So many, many women will have a tendency, and, and some men too, but will have a tendency to live outside themselves when they're seeking something. And in my case, it was love. My dad wasn't around a lot. He was a long haul truck driver. And so he would go away for months at a time. Mm -hmm. And so the only love that I ever saw was when he would arrive, you know, every two months and stay for a week and leave again. And then of course I had my mom around, but she was like the mom and dad while my dad was away. So it was almost like I was being raised by a single parent. Mm -hmm. And so um, when I was in at the beginning of the relationship, I was giving, giving, giving. And then as we progressed, we had two children and I kept giving. Like I was trying to create a space of safety for him because he was um, one of eight. Mm -hmm. And so he had this disconnect. When someone says, yeah, I love you. 
but then doesn't have the actions to go with it. The hand holding, the hugging, mm. the just randomly, you know, pulling you over to the couch. He would sit at the opposite end. He would never hold my hand. We rarely went out, even though we were together and we lived mm. together with our children. And I constantly, constantly created a space of endless love, of doing everything that I could. And when a person lives outside of themselves so much that you start to resent everything you're giving when you're not getting the same in return. Hmm. You start getting angry. You start getting disillusioned by what have I done? Everything starts with an UN. You're unsexy, unwanted, unloved, <laughs> unhappy, right? Yeah, right, right. And then it got to the point where I was really not happy with myself. And I got deeper and deeper into depression, into despair, into not wanting to live, actually, even mm. though we had two amazing, beautiful little girls. Mm. And um, at the end, it was three months before the end, I woke up at 3 a.m. And even though, you know, I was crying every night the last year, so much so my mm. eyes were swollen shut. I was just telling everybody I had allergies. <laughs> I cried. Yep. And yeah. I cried hysterically, not just a little weeping. And it would go on for hours before I went to bed. And I woke up and I said, I'm done. And I remember climbing into the bathroom and I remember saying, I have nothing left. And if this is what life is, I don't, <laughs> I have nothing left. And so I remember that the tiles were so cold and I remember that I didn't even feel them. After I said, just stop my heart, I couldn't kill myself. I know that we see in media and, and out there uh, that people do do it. But I was anchored into my two kids. I would rather have had somebody else do it, like if I could have been, you know, kind of taken out by whatever else. But I wanted God to just stop my heart and I would have been fine. I didn't want to feel pain. I just wanted to end the pain that I was going through or what I felt I was going through. And then so as I was feeling the cold tiles and crying hysterically saying, God, please, now I'm, I put so much intent that I knew my heart was going to stop. Wow. But there was so much intent behind it that I actually came out of my body. I couldn't feel the floor. My eyes were closed and I could see stars so close I thought I could touch them. I had this damp taste and this dampness around me, like when you're in a cave kind of that feeling. But then it was so expanded and stars so close. And then all of a sudden I heard three simple words, love will come. It was just like that, very masculine, vibrating when it said it. I couldn't tell where it was from because it was all around me. Mm. And then I went, Oh my God, because when you have someone so down in feeling, in despair, frustration, anger, rage, I had it all and not wanting to live, I was at the lowest of low. Mm. When you lift even a little, even to hope, it catapults you. And mm -hmm. so when I, I had that, I was like, and then I came back into my body and I'm like, like a cat, you know, like, whoa, <laughs> waking up. <laughs> And I got up off the floor and I went back to bed and the next morning, everything changed. Like I could, like, I wanted to go to the bookstore and you know, I was the mom taking care of everything. He wanted to live in a 1940 style environment. Like he'd come home from work, dinner's on the table. You know, you got the apron, what's for dinner and clean the yeah. dishes. I'm going to read the paper. Oh yeah. He, he set it all up. 
and it was not 1940s and I'm not that old. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so I would read like a book a year because I took care of everything in the house and the kids and he took care of everything outside the house and work as well as I work as well. And so when I went to the bookstore, I came back with a cart, like a shopping cart full of books. And I started reading two and three a week. I am not kidding you. I would mm. skim through them and I would like, oh my God, this resonates. I, yeah. Yes. And, and people I had never heard of, but I'm sure I'll share them that you may have heard, but Eckhart Tolle, Wayne Dyer, Eckert, uh, Esther Hicks, and Louise Hay, and on and on, that I, I just started understanding more that made sense to me. Mm. And then the more I um, gravitated through life, because <laughs> then it was about three months later and I got the, the energy mm. to say I'm done with this and I left. Um, but then I started supersizing into all sorts of things. But people were coming to me at grocery stores with crazy stories, like random. I'm picking fruit and they're coming <laughs> to me. <laughs> really? And then a woman would say, you know, I know you don't know me, but you look like I'm, I could safely tell you, and my husband's beating me. I don't wow. know where to go. And she wasn't, she never asked me for money. She never asked me for anything other than to share a story. Mm. And random, like an, another woman not, not having any money and, and her house getting ready to be taken away from her. And, and then I realized after so many of these stories, because I thought, this is weird. I yeah. never, again, I was in corporate. This is weird. This is really weird. <laughs> exactly. And then I understood that I'm not alone in my thoughts, mm. that I am not really alone. And everyone's coming to me saying they're alone. But we're not alone. Mm. And then, you know, I started resonating with like, you know, what's this Reiki stuff? So I started and I took a course and I call that the lily pad for energy work. You know, we have to start somewhere to jump somewhere else. Yeah. And um, then, you know, all of these others. And then I took a nine month intuitive development course and I truly got, you know, meditated to a deep level to understand what meditation really is about mindset courses and, and various other things. And then when I got to the state of really helping people, I spent, uh, five years on a psychic website as an advisor. I do talk to dead people. So <laughs> there, there's quite a few things that, you know, I wanted to be a know-it-all who had it all, sees it all, feels it all, loves it all. And when it comes to energy work, I feel like I wanted to be able to help people in various different ways of their life. Mm. Does anything scare you? There's a hesitation and no one's ever asked me that. Oh, I love your question. I've been doing this for a long time. Does anything scare me? You know, um, you've got unpredictable questions happening to you all the time. You've got people attracted to you in supermarkets. You've got people just sharing their, their being. You're talking to dead people. You're talking over, you know, online, anywhere globally and entering people's world. So does anything scare you? Yeah. You know, when it comes to energy work, I mean, I have been on platforms where they're very spiritual and the paranormal and all of that. And I could tell you some really things that would probably have half your listeners running out the door thinking their hair's on fire because I've experienced it. But I wasn't scared at the time because of the guidance that I get from a higher source, meaning 
I feel protected. I feel loved. I feel cherished. I feel honored. I feel supported. Mm. But I do get into the human form. Like, you know, where's my next client coming? <laughs> yeah. But is, is that a sense of fear? No, because it's just an old pattern that we get that we have to see a client or we have to have that money in the bank to think that's our reality when I'm a master manifester and I create my reality. And so to answer your question, now that I've taken a minute to think, because, you know, I had to go up and think, I really don't feel like I'm afraid of anything. I can see um, on some people where their um, deceased father might be standing behind them, mm -hmm. but that doesn't scare me. I know that there are lower vibrational beings. I have felt them, but then I just shoo them away like a fly on the wall <laughs> because that's not part of where I operate. Yeah. I operate in love. I operate in tr truth. I operate in service. I operate in abundance, you know, so that's all a higher vibration, love and kindness and generosity. And so I have to say probably not. Hmm. No. Yeah. Which is interesting then. So for you to get to your, t your deepest low in your life and absorb everything for you, once you then unpack that and you follow who you are and, you know, and that, I think that's, that's what's required for all of us. So we've just got to find who we are um, and then follow that, that truth. Um, then you can then sort of not, be, not absorb all those other things that other people are sharing with you. And therefore it doesn't, doesn't bring you down, doesn't create any fear in you or, or um, distress, if you like. Yeah. Yes. Um, I was just listening to how you were describing it and it's, it's amazing. However, when, when you say, oh, to find who you are and there is the key because so many people can say, I know who I am, but don't because mm. then they'll say, oh, uh, a couple of things that I, I can't have uh, a 600, let's put some figures on it, a $600,000 house because I only make 50,000 a year yeah. and that's a limiting belief. Sure. No, because they're going, thinking that's the reality or I won't attract the same, this, this particular partner because I'm this particular person. And that's again, mm. a limiting belief that they have to choose. There's one side that's all their limiting beliefs and um, what I call plateaus, meaning let's say somebody wants to buy an online program. And then they'll put a limit of what they think the value is. So if the program mm. costs 500, some people might think that's way too expensive. Yeah. Or others with their budget could say, well, I'll spend a thousand, but after that, that's too expensive. Well, if it creates a hundred thousand or a million, then to me, it's not that expensive. And I'm sure for the rest of the people listening, it's not that expensive, but then they have to trust. And then does the person who's creating that online program resonate with them and proven, you know, results. So there's a, lot of, a couple of other things, but guiding yourself internally, there's a process of knowing that trusting your yes, your no, and your maybe. So a lot of people mm -hmm. think it's black and white, yes or no, yes or no. No, there's a, there is a maybe. And I look mm -hmm. at the maybe space as, as like a bubble that helps you give a little more time to lean toward maybe the no, or maybe the yes, right? Yeah. And so there is where if you're in the maybe state and someone presents something to you, if it's meant to be, you know it still will be. It will happen. 
Yeah. And however it happens, you have to allow it to happen. So when people say, oh, I, I'll take an extra $100, well, then why not 1000 Why not 10000 right? Yeah. <laughs> so you have to move into the space of feeling versus having that, oh, I only want, yeah, I keep drawing that box because people can limit themselves by what they think if they think clearly more about what they feel. How does yeah. it feel? You know, I was just working with a 14-year-old. Her mom was in the room also. And this is a good example. She was laying there and I was describing what she was going to experience. So it happened to be a hands-on because she was local. So I was doing that type of face-to-face -face work. So as I was describing what she may or may not experience because this was the first time. And as I was telling her, she goes, oh, I'm getting scared. I'm getting scared. So I said, okay, let's talk about that. Where do you feel it in your body? I don't know. Disconnected. That's the first thing. When people don't know what, they, what their body feels, they're disconnected. They don't trust. Mm. And so I said, okay, is it what I say that is getting you scared? Or is it what you feel? And then if it's your feeling, is it in your head that you're feeling it? Mm. He said, it's what you're saying and it's in my head. Yeah. So there it is that she's keeping herself again, going into this, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? So then I explained to her, let's go into the feeling in your body. If you could say something was feeling. So there again, I was teaching her to go into her body. Where could she feel it? And she was telling me it was in her chest. It was heavy. And I said, well, that's love. So the fear of feeling love or shifting into something that you may not be ready for. Mm -hmm. So we talked about, and she clearly understood, but it was really honing in into the feeling versus in the head and getting out of it. Yeah. Oh, I understand that process. <laughs> and often it's because you're, you're so in your head trying to unpack it. That's right. That you don't, sometimes you don't even, you don't really want to make that step. You know, if you actually feel it in your body, then you've got to surrender to it. And you're sort of like, you're saying, I want to deal with, with this issue. I want to unpack it. I want to get over it. But I also don't want to go through that, the feeling that will come out in my body. I want to keep it in my head. That's right. Because again, the fear of what will happen in the end, what will I turn into? Will yeah. people still like me if I end up being more of who I want to be? Yes, right? this could change me. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I know. I've gone through this process because I've actually got a biography coming out. I'll give it a plug. Becoming Annie, the biography of a curious woman. And it's coming out in the next few days. And so I've been through this process of, you know, unpacking all the all the stages of becoming. And every every stage of becoming that next version of yourself does come with excitement, but it come it can often come with a bit of a, oh my goodness, who am I becoming? And what will other people think? And what if they don't like me? And all those sorts of insecurities can come up while you're being bold and sort of taking the next steps for yourself. There's always consequences. And it's sort of like we want, we want it all. We want to move forward in the best ability and we also want to hold on to all the things that we have valued but it's also sometimes a choice to going well maybe you enjoyed them at that time but they're not going to come in the next stage of your journey and uh, so it's it's a really quite an amazing experience actually I was also yes. talking about the the limited beliefs or the mindsets I was having a funny conversation with my husband this morning about about the book because you know he, he sort of said oh wow imagine one day when I'm out and um, I and I pass pass by a, a lifeline which is kind of like you'd probably call it a flea market or something oh, and, yes. I, and I and I see you 
your book lying there. And I looked at him and went, oh my gosh, you should be thinking, wait till you go to the bookshop and you see it in the number of the top 10. <laughs> it was this really interesting. I went, well, that's just separated our mindset. You know, like I'm a big vision, what is possible? Well, this could be like amazing. Don't limit where it could go. And he's like, I'm so proud of my wife, but you know, it could be, wouldn't it be great if she'd sold some and then I just saw it out somewhere. I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. <laughs> but actually, I like the way he thinks because you said out there anywhere and that yeah. can be anywhere, right? I actually anywhere. found, I've written a book as well, um, but it's been out. And, uh, you know, when you go on the Amazon, you can see, you know, when they have the used ones. And I said, oh my gosh, someone has given my book to wherever it was, um, like Goodwill or one of those bookstores or something like that as a used copy. And I said, oh, that's awesome that it's being recirculated. Yes. <laughs> passing around, passing on that, on that message and love. Wow. So let's get back then over to your business. How did you get this personal, you know, gift, um, skill, talent? Um, how did you then craft that into a business? to become yeah. an intuitive energy healer that people around the globe would um, consult and you get paid for this service. Yeah. Isn't that very interesting? So I was in corporate for a long time until that spiritual epiphany. And as people were coming to me and I was getting messages and these really crazy random things started happening. And then I said, you know, maybe I'll step into, you know, Reiki and, and I didn't know much about it, but it resonated with me. And I, thought, okay, I'll do that. And then essential oils and, and learning because learning yeah. is power, right? Knowledge is power. And, yeah. and I, in my corporate, I was a pretty powerful director of sales and bringing in millions of dollars for a company. And so I was an expert in the field of sales. And I thought, you know, here I am still moving into another journey that was resonating and opening up my core being the love of who I am because I never had it. I was always seeking it on the outside. And then over time, as I was learning these things and then taking an intuitive development course and all of that, I realized that, and this is what I say, I realized that I didn't have me back then. I didn't. And so I had some major pain, major emotional pain going on that I didn't want to live. And then I realized, you know what? If anyone works with me, it's okay to go through that pain once, but you do not have to go through it twice because mm. now I am present and now I am here. Yeah. And so that's my mission and power and, you know, passion is to, to make sure that a person doesn't have to experience such emotional pain that can turn into physical pain. Yeah. Uh, and then to help them shift into feeling more empowered within themselves. Mm. Okay. So tell me about, you know, not obviously using names, the types of clients that you then work with now, what would be a couple of their examples of why they would come to you? Yeah. Um, okay. So there's quite a few different, I've had, um, a nurse practitioner because she said that she wanted to change the way nursing was. She is so amazing. Wow. And here's an example. Yeah. Old woman. She, love it. yes, yes. I love it too. She came to me um, very cynical. Uh, and she said, that's the way the medical industry is to separate their feelings and emotions toward, mm. because it was always death in front of them. Yeah. And, uh, cause she worked in the ER. And so she now was able to communicate with people that were in a coma. She could, um, understand what they were going through and their family members and what they wanted to share. 
She actually now has transitioned out of the hospital and works for a pain management uh, clinic. And so I taught her how to remote scan bodies, how to see where pain is, and that she'll go right up to the person. She walks in the room. She goes, this is, touches it. This is where your pain is. She injects the needle and they're done in one treatment. So much so that the medical center that she was working or is working at wanted to know why the people were only coming one time when they're supposed to have four or five treatments. <laughs> yes. She's, she's not good for business. <laughs> well, <laughs> but she's we'll, good for we'll, health. <laughs> we'll, we'll pass, I'll pass on that, but she, it's, it's really about, it doesn't have to be, um, business per se, because you're always going to have people coming and going. It doesn't have mm. to be five or six or seven or eight treatments of needles and things. As long as you get right to the core of where they're holding that pain. Yeah. And because I've taught her all of that, she could see the core, take the needle, inject it directly into that. And that's why it was only taking one treatment versus six or seven. Okay. So then I've had a woman who has a um, home renovation company. And when she came to me, she was actually going bankrupt, thought that she was going to have to close her business. Within two months, she ended up hiring 10 people. And within eight months, she got her first million dollar client and uh, she has totally converted her business into a multi-million dollar company. Oh my gosh. And, yeah. And it literally was just about clearing the limiting beliefs wrapped around money wrapped around what you need to do, wrapped around how you're heard. And I taught her how to interview people so she could, again, see, see energy within people. So if their ear chakras are condensed, they're not willing to listen to you. So no matter how much you talk and how much they're working, they're wanting to do their own thing. So I said, these are the people you don't want to hire. <laughs> and their throat chakra, if the throat is condensed, then they're, they're more of an introvert or they're afraid to speak. If it's expanded, they might be too much of a speaker and then they're talking too much at the water cooler. I said, so here's the balance and this is how you deal with it. And so now she, as people slowly kind of phase their way out, when she interviewed and replaced them, her team is stronger than ever because now they all support her business plan and everything that she's wanted around that. I've had um, many, um, excuse me, many corporate people from government people. I've had, you know, housewives, I mean, from corporate CEOs, business owners, all the way down to a four-year-old little boy. Hmm. And the little boy came to me, and that was a very interesting story. And I, I don't want to tell you the various different elements, but he, his mother, um, I'll shorten the story, but he ended up choking on a piece of candy. Mother was a nurse, was able to do the Heimlich. She took him, uh, he stopped eating for many days, took him to the pediatrician. What do we do? Pediatrician recommended him to one of my clients who is a, um, a mental health provider. She in turn recommended him to me. And so I just cleared the energy out of his throat because by the time he came to me, he had not eaten in four days. Mm. He was afraid he was going to die. Yeah. And so I just cleared the energy from his throat so that he would feel safe and know that food is good and not bad. And it worked for a couple of days, but there was something there. And I told the mom, be careful. He's, it's Because it, again, the psychic part of me also, I said, there's going to be a trigger if he sees a piece of candy like that. Three days later, there was that piece of candy. She called me. She says, you warned me. And I forgot, and it was, a, it was close to Easter, and the little piece, same piece of candy was in an Easter egg. 
So then he came back in, I shifted it again and he was very well. And then she brought her mother and she brought her husband. (laughs) Whole family was lining up. That's right. (laughs) So from where you are positioned in your business and your whole um, thinking or mindset, how do you feel about the medical profession then? You know, that, you know, a situation like that, you know, would another parent take their child to hospital to, you know, have that extracted maybe even surgically, need a bronchoscopy or something? Um, How do you respond when people come to you and you go, well, I can do, I can manage this or should they go to a hospital? You know, how do you, so that's quite a dilemma, isn't it? You know, you obviously, um, or is it not? Not for me, not for me, because I, I just, here's a perfect example. So I have several women that end up dragging, literally dragging their husbands who are close to their deathbed because the doctors can't figure out what's the matter with them. Mm-hmm. And it's happened twice now, uh, most recently. And I re- I re- this one was pretty profound. So most of them are a little skeptical because, you know, energy healing, you put my hands on you, what's going to happen? So, yeah. you know, I go through the process of explaining and I said, just rest assured, let me just figure out what's going on in your body. And I remember I put my hand on the guy's knee and his um, calf. And then instantly I said, have you ever had an infection or something going on in this leg? No. I said, have you ever had a cut or something that didn't heal for a long time? I have fungus in my toe. I said, (laughs) really? And what had happened is that he had surgery and after surgery, he ended up with uh, short-term memory loss. Couldn't remember his last name, couldn't remember his wife's um, birth date or their wedding anniversary crazy stuff. And he was a CEO of a company. And so what had happened is when I was able to put my hands on him, I realized, and he said that fungus had been there four years. And so what I had picked up was that it was in his bloodstream. So when I get guided messages, I was guided to say, go to a homeopathic doctor, they'll clear out your blood, go to a um, podiatrist, to have the toenail removed that specializes in diabetes. Mm. So they'll remove it gently and nicely, and then they'll clean it up even better. And I said, then your memory will come back. And it actually started working. He went to, his wife followed, because I talked to her after, wife followed those, they went to these people, and it started getting better. Mm. So I work in conjunction when I'm guided to say, okay, try this, try that. This is what I'm picking up. And I mean, I've even had a woman really high up in the government because I, I live close to DC right outside, really high up and no one could figure it out. And I said, there is something going on that you are inhaling or ingesting. It ended up being mold. And there it was, the ringing and the imbalances and all of that. And I was able to stop some of the ringing in her ears. But then she just she realized that there was mold inside the straw of her cup as well. Mm-hmm. After getting mold poisoning from the house, and then she kept. So it's really crazy that I get these hits, mm-hmm. and then it's pieces of the puzzle to put it together. And then I just allow myself to get answers, and it's just their choice to step into what yeah. I suggest. Yeah. yeah. Thank so you the for answer sharing. that, I, well, you're welcome. But I big work, variety, yeah, yeah, yeah. I work in conjunction depending on what the problem. If it's a, if it's a physical 
pains or issues with the body, but the emotional part, I actually work with um, psychotherapists, um, clinical social workers in providing a support mechanism for their clients on the mental health part of it. So it's, um, they find that the clients are healing in a shorter period of time versus having this lengthy talk sessions to where it's years and years, it ends up being shorter and shorter now when I'm working with them. Mm. What do you find is the biggest challenge for your, for your role when working with people? Uh, I would say trusting the work that I do. Mm-hmm. Because once, and that's how I always end up when people do step in and we finish however many sessions we have, I always say, thank you for trusting me and mm. supporting the work that I do because they have to be able to trust that I can help them because yeah. the, the value is, you know, investing and receiving the end result. So yeah. the ebb and flow of the value. So once they trust, I can do the work. Yeah. Yeah. If they don't trust you and they, and they block, is it worth even continuing on or is it worth saying you come back when you're ready? I pretty much say, you know, until you can shift what you're saying and how you're thinking, yeah. it's not going to work. It's I'm working. very truthful. It's very yeah. transparent. I, I am. I will not continue to work with a person who's going to fight me. It, it mm. doesn't work for both them and for me. And I mm. want them to love me in the end. And if mm. I can't give them what they want as the end result, they're not going to love me. Yeah. 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 So this podcast is called Memoirs of Successful Women. So what do you see um, as success? Is it something that you feel? Is it something that you you decide, you know, it, it, it's words, it's, it's money, it's people that you've shared with, it's the impact that you've had? What is success to you? Creativity. Mm. Because a person can create what they truly want and desire. So if you're, you're saying, oh, I'd be so happy if I lived on a house right on the water. But when they start quieting down, when you're in that house, what do you feel like? How does that feel to you? What does that life in that world look like? So all of a sudden, maybe the house on the water isn't a big thing. It's the happiness of being with a partner and maybe traveling a little bit. So creating all of that. So the creativity and the trust in stepping into creation, right? That's Mm. success. The end result of creation. (laughs) I love that. I love that because my program is all about getting the right uh, success, balance, and happiness. And so I've used those three words because for me, that's exactly what it is. It's it's saying success in what what you see it is in terms of, you know, most people come to me and they'll go, well, I want to grow my business this way or I want to invest in my relationships or my marriage or, you know, um, you know, sort of get a certain job or position or whatever. They've got their views of what success is, but then, you know, I, they also then yeah want balanced. And at the end of the day, you want to be happy. So I think, uh, yeah, I love that word. I'm going to really ponder on that. It's all the result of creativity and creating the, the, um, the environment that you can flourish and therefore whatever you're doing, you'll be yeah. succeeding. Yeah. Yeah, That's absolutely. That's beautiful. So how do people find you, Terry? Are the people listening on this program? How will they find you if they're wanting uh, to connect with you? Oh, thank you so much. So don't forget to go to Amazon for my book, The Secret Power of You. You can also find me on Facebook. Everything is my name. So it's terrychristine.com. And Terry is a little different. So it's T-E-R-R-I-E. 
christine.com. You can find me on YouTube. I have many, many, many videos to help you for anything that you may be struggling with. I'm on Instagram. I, I mean, I'm on the Twitter. I'm on, <laughs> I'm on LinkedIn. You know, everywhere. I'm everywhere. <laughs> I am everywhere. I'm on thousands of podcasts, including this one. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic fantastic so it would not be far, hard to find and it, on my platform i'll give all of your details so that when people are listening now they can um just get them straight off the link and so it's been wonderful sharing with you today i've, I've certainly tapped into a whole nother space that i've never really pondered before and it's going to give me a lot to think about and i really thank you for your the breadth of your sharing and the value that you've given to other people to start thinking about so thank you so much Oh, Annie, thank you. Thank you for being open enough to allow the listeners to hear my side of the world, because it's kind of this world, and allowing me to be here to share my story. It's a pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Memoirs of Successful Women. You can find me at AnnieGibbons.com, where you can download my free resources, get connected on social, and check out my online magic transformation program. If you love this show, feel free to subscribe to future episodes. And of course, share it with your friends. I'll see you again soon. And until then, happy podcasting.